And that's a sports ball. Sports Com- ball. Coming to you from the sports ball studios. You are now listening to Small Monster Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Small Market Podcast with your hosts, Watucky and Hoffman. How are we doing today, Andy? We're doing good, Hoffman. We're coming to you live from Sportsball Studios in Midland, Michigan. Just, home of yeah. Great Lakes Loons. That's right, home of the Great Lakes Loons. We're just right down the street a little bit from good old Dow Diamond. Happy to be here. Sportsball Studios. Did you mention that? Did we mention that? I think I, I said it. You probably did, and I just I wasn't listening. don't remember if I said that we're coming at you from Sportsball Studios. I'm still like half on vacation, Hoffman. Yeah, but you know what? I can't. I can't blame you. You came up. You, yeah. You did some work on your vacation. Just so, a little bit. It was it was during my round of golf, so that was enough to cover us for two weeks, which is pretty freaking awesome. So, anyways, for for anybody that doesn't know what the hell we're talking about right now, Wataki got us a guest for this week, um, Mister Billy Martin Jr. And for those that don't know, you're about to find out. <laughs> Let him find out, Hoffman. <laughs> he was an amazing guest. His father was Billy Martin Senior. Big surprise, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's usually how it goes. Yankees player yes. and manager. Yes. An honoree in the um, Yankee Monument Park. Yeah. And the man is a legend. He's been uh, hired and fired like five times by George Steinbrenner of the Yankees. <laughs> yeah. Uh, won a bunch of championships as a player. Uh, won, a, won a few champ championships as a manager too yeah won the 77 one with the yankees there right and his son had just a a plethora of stories about his father and what better timing than father's day right yep father's day coming up yeah the sunday and and that was such a good interview that we're we're splitting up that uh, that interview into two parts yep right wataki so so we'll sandwich father's day with some Exactly. Father, fatherly stories. Yes, exactly. And one that I think just about made us all cry, right? I mean, so yep. but you'll you'll hear that later on about yep. Thurman Munson and stuff. That that was oh that, that was, was a tear awesome. that was a little tear trigger. Exactly. But um Mr. Jason Wirtz stepped in to help us out with that one. Did a phenomenal cool. job. Unbelievable uh, job. Really came through. Yep, and Wataki just he he manned the technical controls and yeah, let us I, have it. I basically got like one more day of vacation in. <laughs> you did, you, yeah. But it was you know it was awesome because you were behind the scenes and you're like cheering us on and like thumbs up and giving us all the signs and just yep. notes and stuff. It was like steel third exactly. It was it was super super inspirational. I'm like, yeah, I want to go another 25 30 minutes with Billy Martin Jr. So, anyways, that interview is coming up later on. That that's in our third segment. Yep. So, right now we wanted to do what we always do and let's go through the headlines, right, Wataki? That's right. Speaking of golf, this past week for me, this coming week we got the US Open at Torrey Pines. Yep. What's what's going on there? Well, the Four rounds of golf, Hoffman. Four <laughs> rounds of golf are going on. <laughs> nah, uh, Phil Mickelson, though, he's going for his, uh, well, trying to get his only U.S. Open win. Do you think that's a possibility? Do you think lightning can strike twice? We're still cheering for him, right? Oh, he's, I'm cheering for he's him. He's still like, American, right? He's like, yeah, yeah. like I'm one of these old boomers that like everything, you know, from my past and my childhood, like I'm always like... I'm rooting for and paying yeah. attention to. So, like, Phil Mickelson is, like, the last of that that, that era. era right? Yeah, that's yeah. kind of still still kicking. Um, but, he's, I, you know, he's got guys like Bryson DeChambeau, the defending champ and stuff. He's, mm-hmm. but, but if he gets it, he'll be one of, he'll be the sixth guy to get the uh, career Grand Slam. And I'm going to be tuning in even harder this time than I was last time because yeah. I don't want to miss anything. 
Hoffman, so, I'm, I'm gonna yeah. I'm slowly just gonna rope you into golf, like I enjoying it. Yeah, I think you are. And this is this didn't even happen when when Tiger was playing or anything like that. I just was not that interested, like in golf. I, watching it on TV is I'm one of those people that's not good at that. Not yeah. good at watching it on TV. I got to be playing it to really be enjoying the sport of golf. But no, I, I I'm gonna follow it a little bit better this week. I promise. So I get that. Yeah. Right on. In another headline, I thought this was incredibly fulfilling. The NBA is going to their the uh, competition committee will be taking a look at unnatural jump shot fouls. You know what this is all about, right, Wataki? Yeah, you kind of brushed me up on it beforehand. Yeah, so I mean, we see you see it all the time. You don't have to be a huge fan of the NBA to understand this or watch it, but you see guys taking a shot and they take this ridiculous looking flop like you know and they were barely touched or just kind of grazed and yeah. it looks like they have they were just mauled right yep and so, they're initiating the contact they initiate the contact yeah they're they're taking a shot from like an unnatural you know they're doing it sideways or backwards or falling backwards or whatever and then it or they initiate and they initiate the contact and it it you know it's a foul but it just looks horrendous because you know that that's what they were going for. Is they were going for the foul mm-hmm. and ultimately flopping and just they deserve an Academy Award more than they deserve a foul. But, um, yeah, so the competition committee will be taking a look at that. And I think that's a, a long overdue change that needs to take place in the N- NBA. It needs to be taken a good hard look at, you know, especially with some of the stuff and some of the calls that we've seen. Um, they haven't made huge, huge headlines in this playoff season because I think NBA fans have grown just used to it. They've just mm-hmm. become kind of callous to it and like, that's how the game is now. And it's, you know, adding a level of ridiculousness to, you know, the sport that, that these fans love and it's getting hard to getting hard to swallow, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like uh, the NHL did with flopping. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you can get a two-minute penalty for that now if they know that you're basically just acting and embellishing what's going on. And it's the same complaint. Like, you're leaning into a guy on your shot. You're initiating the contact. He's holding his ground, and you're calling a foul on that guy. It's always been frustrating. Exactly. Well, and it's it's especially hard to watch when, like, the best player in your league is doing that kind of thing. You see LeBron He's James getting the, a reputation for yeah, it too. Exactly. He's the biggest, strongest, fastest dude in the league. One of the best athletes in the entire world. And he's doing that. And he's getting these calls, not just because he's the best player in the world, but because he's gotten really good at being able to do it. He, you know, it, it's become like a work on the system more so than like a, uh, you know, a, uh, you know how much talent you have or or mm-hmm. how much skill you have it's just how that's becoming a skill is how well you can flop so, yeah and, and i don't like it takes away from the game yeah moving on football uh the titans picked up julio jones yeah they're, uh they're gonna be sacked now we're now as, as excited about them as we were about the browns last year right yeah i like the way that looks there for them Derrick Henry, running back. Then you got yep. Julio Jones that can just take the top off the defense. Um, the the uh, the Titans, they did give up a uh, 2022 second-round pick and a 2023 fourth-round pick for him. Big deal. He's, he, he, yeah, he's, well, that's what I'm saying. He's slightly aging. But then they also got a 2023 sixth-round pick back along with him. Oh, okay. So, I mean, like I'm looking at that trade, and I'm like, well, he's still going to be serviceable for a couple of years. Yeah, you know, I mean, he he is aging, but you're you're basically saying I'm in win now mode. Yeah, exactly. And he's one of the one of the greatest to ever play the game. Julio is, you and, know, if and, he's still able to play, why not? You know, why not pick him up? Why not get him? Absolutely. I mean, play action with Derrick Henry. Yeah, as your running back, and Julio Jones as your receiver. Ryan Tannehill, yeah. like you could you could take him out there and put me in that play action setup and right. i might be able to do i might be serviceable you possibly like that's me no um you're a better athlete than i am you can still golf but uh me no no that's so much. uh well that's yeah. a little bit of a stretch there <laughs> you're an athlete you can you can still right, golf right. 
Yeah, you're like, and not if you talk to my dad, my brother. Yeah, they could be like, what? Uh, you mean drink? He can still drink. He can still drink while playing the game of that's, golf. Yeah, that's what he does with when he golfs. Brand new Titleist balls and, that's and his, grips on his clubs. Yeah, so, he's got yeah. a nice set of clubs. He doesn't know how to use them, but he's a hell of a beer drinker on the course. <laughs> I hope you were at least better than your fourth down in at Myrtle Beach. So. Oh, that's my fourth was my cousin from Ironwood. He flew in, my cousin oh, Ben. Shoot. And so, oh, I got a little story here. I know this is not a headline, and this is this will only amuse me, but I'm going to tell it anyways. So we played Willbrook uh, Plantation, the first the first uh, golf course we went to, and I beat him by four strokes. Now, when I say beat him by four strokes, I shot like 114 for 18. You're only supposed to be like yeah. at 70. So I'm a fucking horrid golfer, and you shot like 118. <laughs> the second the second time we played, two days later, we went to Grand Dunes, and it's an absolutely championship course. Beautiful. It runs along the intercoastal waterway and stuff, and it's just it's amazing. He beat me on the last hole. He caught me and beat me by one stroke. So we were like, all right, we're going to go, and we're going to take like Kyneth out with his clubs and just play a little par three, but that'll be the rubber match between me and him. They were going to charge me full price for Kyneth to pay a par, play a par three course, oh, like 30 bucks. And I'm like, Kyneth isn't even going to get halfway through this probably. No. So we went to play putt-putt, and that was the rubber match. Nice. Was putt-putt, and I beat him by two strokes <laughs> in putt-putt. Congratulations for beating a six-year-old. No, Kentucky. no, not not, uh, not my fantastic. son. I'm talking about my cousin. Oh, okay. Room. Oh, I beat him like because he had won an 18, you know, at one <laughs> course, and I had won at one course, and and the rubber match was just a putt putt game. Gotcha. Well, that's cool. That's fun. It was it was enjoyable. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt the headlines. No, no, that. you're good. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Um, then well. Next thing I wanted to talk about real quickly was the NHL Stanley Cup semifinals preview. Oh, yeah. We uh, we've been neglecting to talk about the NHL. You know, we have all season. I, that's on me. I have not followed that a ton. The NHL is it is tough to keep up with a little bit, but it's certainly interesting. Um, it it can be tough, I think, because of like what channels it's on and all that stuff. They just in the teams in our specific yes. market are not competitive. So right, and they used to be. I mean, and the Red used Wings to. used to be Red Wings, Blackhawks. That that used to be those used to be watchable teams, and now they just aren't anymore. So now us as you know Homer Michiganders are like peace out. Don't care about the NHL. Yeah, whatever. I, Was that even ever really a sport? And right after like twenty still... some years of being in the playoffs, you exactly. kind of get fatigued when they're not yeah. good. You're just like, ah, taking a little break here. But your right. team well, is in the semifinals. Hawking, <laughs> tell me a little bit about this. Well, I'm you a band- bandwagon son of a gun. I am a bandwagon son of a gun. My New York Islanders are in the semifinals up against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, everybody's picking the Lightning. Because that's the appropriate choice, but I am defending champs. I am picking the the New York Islanders because um, I mean, even though Tampa Bay's got all the stars, I'm going to jump on that New York bandwagon and say the Islanders grind it out in seven because mm. I think they've got they did a take, lot of. They took game one on Sunday. Yes, they've got more depth as far as I'm concerned. So yeah, I I'm gonna and I've you know on LinkedIn this is like kind of inconsequential but and on linkedin i've been following their the building of their new arena so they're they've been slowly building that and i went and watched a ton of like uh games and events at the nassau coliseum that was their old stadium so anyways um it's that's just kind of been fun to watch you know and see the progress of that on the other side the canadians versus the golden knights Las Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah. Um, our our old friend Tim Parton from Parton Brewing has always wanted a Las Vegas pro team to root for. For some reason, really? he's kind of a, a Vegas homer. And do you, Tim? Tim, do you have ties to, to Vegas? Like, why? What is what is your obsession with that? Basically, like hookers. Like, I don't I don't get it. It's basically been a Madden thing. Oh. He's just been just like, been digging when, on back in the Madden. day when I played Madden like religiously. They always had the thing where you get oh build a team in Vegas. I just and I just think bon- like bonuses and everything. And I'm like you think about it. There's a lot of people in Jesuit who don't 
freaking uh, dark tourists. There's a lot of people who have co-seen a good Vegas game. Right, right. Well, and your Vegas Golden Knights. I'm going to call them your Vegas Golden Knights, <laughs> DT. Um, They're not a bad team. No, I, I, first I'm of all, I just bad. think it's awesome that you don't even need a microphone. Yeah, <laughs> just, to be on the show. I, I hope that his volume's coming across for you yeah. guys. Uh, Tim is outside talking to us yeah. outside in the rain he's and he's coming through loud and clear it's raining, yeah guys. right exactly anyways vegas golden knights um they just took down the best league the best team in the league and the colorado avalanche so they're kind of my favorites to beat the uh, canadians even though the canadians have Carey price and i think he's the best goalie you know who's he's probably been the best goalie in the last like 15 20 years I don't think he's enough to beat the Golden Knights. They just showed a a lot of dominance against Colorado in that last in that last round. So you got one more headline, don't you, Wataki? Do I? I thought you did. I Wouldn't that be four or four? I think I'm done, Hoffman. You're done. Okay. All yeah. right. Well, we'll roll into a little the next light segment. on it today. Yeah. We'll roll yeah. On. I'm sorry. I'm no, that, get... that's on me. That's fine. It's all good. We got. I mean, we got NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs going on. The NBA is. Very interesting. There's a lot of crazy, wacky James stuff Harden going on. Is wearing his own face on a T-shirt <laughs> that says "complex." Uh, complex. <laughs> Hoffman. <laughs> We're all gonna get Hoffman. If you go to the Etsy store, Hoffman's <laughs> making mock-up T-shirts of himself <laughs> that say "Deep Thinker." Deep Thinker. Yeah. And like Wataki's gonna have one that's just resilient. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we're gonna have one with uh, with Tim Parton's face. Say horny. <laughs> exactly. And we'll have we'll have another one with Jason Wirtz face on it that just says brilliance. Brilliance. I like that you one. Know? Yeah, for words. Yeah. That makes sense considering what he turned out for this yeah. third segment coming up later on. But right now we're gonna roll into the second segment here in a little bit and uh we we got a pretty interesting topic yeah, for that second of, segment. Kind of a serious topic. So. Yeah. A little deep and um we'll be right back with more of the small market podcast. Wataki here from the Small Market Podcast, encouraging you to support those who support us. Visit Heather and Holly in downtown Midland, 228 East Main Street, for your finest chocolate needs. Also, visit Good Sense Coffee at goodsensecoffee.com. Listeners, use promo code SMALLMARKET at checkout to get 10% off your purchase. Welcome back to the Small Market Podcast. Wataki, how are we now? We're doing real good, Hoffman. Fantastic. We are coming to you from Sports Ball Studios here in Midland, Michigan, just down the street from Dow Diamond. And uh, I think I knocked it all out, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah, we're good. We're good. We're good. He was right there. Yeah, exactly. We've got a relatively sad, relatively... Well, super frightening story slash scandal to talk to you about. And Wataki, you're going to kind of break it down for us a little bit, correct? Yeah. I'm going to dumbly ask you questions throughout, so don't think I'm being... Please, I I don't want our audience or listeners to think that I'm being condescending or silly. I'm just trying to get us all informed of, of what's going on extract all the information exactly um, so I guess I'll go right I'll go all the way back to last year we had Jim Brandstetter on yep. on our show he's one of our first guests he's one of our amazing. first guests I'm pouring myself another drink for the record just because I think I'm gonna need it for this episode. Well, or for this particular this story, yeah, yeah, this particular segment. Um, I'm sorry. Go it, ahead. Nope, you're fine. And back then, uh, there was a lot of rumors going around. Well, there was accusations that had come out that um, a doctor on the U of M campus, Doctor Anderson, um, had sexually assaulted a bunch of victims, um, and there was there was hundreds of people coming out, and like students, st- yeah, students former athletes, student athletes, student yeah. athletes, students, um, and the question we had had, had had asked Jim Brandstetter is what was his thoughts on it as to whether or not the rumors were starting to come out as to whether Bo Schembechler, legendary Michigan coach, knew about this. It Was it ever brought to his attention? Did he ever have the ability to do anything about it if he did know? And so during the course of this year, 
the University of Michigan um, hired an independent firm to do basically an independent investigation, uh, Wilmer Hale. And so they came out with their report, I believe it was a week or two ago, and a couple weeks by now. And they detailed in that report, um, there was two anonymous student athletes who came forward and said that they themselves had told Bo Beckler about this and brought it to his attention and that it was never it was never really dealt with. Um, one one person was said that Bo told him just to toughen up. Um, and another one had said that Bo said that he would take care of it, but then he never heard anything more about it. Dr. Anderson remained employed by the university and continued to sexually assault student athletes. So that brings me screwed up. Yeah, this is some really messed up shit. So that brings me to this Thursday. This Thursday, there was a live press conference that was held in the two anonymous student athletes that had given testimony in the Wilmer Hale report came forward with Bo Schembechler's son, Matt Schembechler, to tell their side of the story right in front of the cameras. Matt Schembechler, Bo's son, said that he was also sexually assaulted by this doctor and that he brought it up to his dad. And supposedly, his dad or allegedly, I should say, according to Matt Schembechler, his dad punched him in the chest and told him basically to toughen up. Which is extremely damning stuff. I, I mean, you, you are, yeah. these people have now decided they don't even want to remain anonymous at this point, and they, they, all three of them told their accounts, and I listened to some of it, and it's truly some sad some sad stuff, some messed up stuff. Yeah. You feel absolutely terrible for these victims. On Friday, Bo's other son, Glenn Schembechler, he also goes by the nickname Shemmy, came forward to basically refute Matt's statement and said that his that he has never seen his dad hit his son or any of his children or his mother and would never allow if he knew about any of this would never have allowed dr anderson to stay employed at the university of michigan then jim branstetter had come out i believe it was earlier today on a local radio show in ann arbor and he has come out in defense of bo schembechler jim harbaugh has also come out in defense of bo schembechler saying that they don't believe that he knew this and so that's kind of the whole rundown up until this point and now the university of michigan to me for me is at a point where you're at the joe paterno point right right are you you literally have built your legacy of this football program around this guy this guy who coined the phrase the michigan man yeah and the leaders and best, and you are supposed to do a thing to a standard, and you always say you hold yourselves to the highest standard. If what the allegations are from these three men are true, if they're true, what they're saying that they told him and he knew and nothing was done, you got to go with the Joe Paterno approach, in my opinion. You have to take his statue down. You have to rename Schembechler Hall. You have to get rid of the term Michigan man. Just please. I got a million reasons before this came out why you should for the good of the program. Yep. But this this is the reason why. What happened to these student athletes is horrid. Exactly. I can't. I can't put it into words how terrible it is. And Andy, this is going beyond fandom, and you know, for you to kind of come out with a story, and you said there, people aren't really reporting on this, right? I mean, this is that, and that's kind of like the disheartening thing. That's what eh, is disheartening, and it's kind of weird. Like it's, 
if you're really in tune to to Michigan and to really, really, really in tune to the local college football in the university, you know what's going on. But like ESPN, when the whole Nasser thing happened for MSU, ESPN started coming out with like two hour long documentaries on issues with players for Mark D'Antonio of them well, supposedly sexually assaulting people or yeah. or Tom Izzo and they're trying to link they're trying to link the college and football coaches or I'm sorry, the college football coaches and the college basketball coaches at MSU to the Nasser to the Nasser trial in and it was wrong to do, number one. But you're not getting that same coverage by the national media yeah. on this, which is Mind blowing to me. A couple things to come to maybe the national uh, media's defense a little bit. It, I think that uh, it's we're we're talking what thirty years now, right? We're looking at a thirty-year story where versus the Nasser thing was about like the last ten. And there's still there's still victims around, the Nasser's still around. There's still evidence around. It's still that that was happening. Kind of, um, this stuff kind of came out in the midst of a very very vocal and powerful movement with the Me Too movement and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it was you know there were a bunch of young ladies that were victimized. Uh, young ladies are more apt to coming out about that kind of stuff now and braver about that kind of stuff. I'm sorry. They're just braver than, than guys are because we're kind of taught, especially in that era about 30 years ago to you hold in your feelings. You don't talk about being a victim and sexual assault. And that's not your guy. Embarrassing to talk about, to say you were sexually assaulted by another man. Right, especially if you're a student athlete and at a very high profile, you know, um, university, university like that, you know. So I can, I can understand like maybe there being a lack of evidence or just lack of coverage or the it or understanding why the Michigan State thing was maybe covered a little bit better than this scandal or this upcoming scandal. We're just uprooting it now. Um, I'm trying not to say anything insensitive, but I'm just saying that like that movement kind of allowed for, uh, female victims to be a bit more vocal and more courageous and come out and talk about that. And it was a little bit more, uh, a little more recent or present. And this thing happened possibly 30 years ago. I don't think you're wrong though. Statues need to be torn down. Halls need to be renamed. Things like that. This really paints Schembechler's name in a completely different light. Mm-hmm. I mean, they uh, what they did to Joe Jopa and you know in Happy Valley, yeah, that's for f- pro- what sounds like far less. Sounds like Schembechler was in full, you know, cognizance and knowing what the hell was going on. Now, Jim Brandstetter said, "Now that you bring up a good point." why there's not as much national media coverage in that point being that Just Dr. Anderson, the prominence of yeah, it, well, really. Dr. Anderson has passed away. Bo Schembechler has passed away. Mm-hmm. Nasser was still there. Mm-hmm. Like you, they could face him in court. These guys are all passed on. And that's Jim. Now going back to Jim Branstetter's statements. Now, why he's digging in is he feels like he has to come to the defense of, of his old Bo, friend, of his old friend, his old coach, Bo Schembechler, yeah. because the basically what he said was every someone that is being accused has a right to a defense, and these people are passed on and they don't have any defense. Yeah. Um. And when you put it in that regard, I guess I get that. Um. I I see what you're saying I, too. And he says that you know you, these are these people's accusations against him, I am going to give my opinion for him, speak to his credibility, Mm -hmm. um, and that should carry the same weight. 
whether it does or it doesn't to the listener of this podcast or this episode, that's solely up to them. Right. And, well, and their opinion. Well, and you and I aren't here to, to make I'm determinations or, or innocence or guilt. No. Well, because um, we know as little as everybody else right now. Right. Yeah. But it, it it's a, a story that needs to be talked about. And it's something that, you know, I, I got to give you credit for, Wataki, as a diehard Michigan fan. You've always been critical of uh, U of M's marketing department. <laughs> always. Know, always. And. Um, this directly, this is like a direct torpedo at their, their PR at that, firm and at this department. golden, yeah. like this, this golden calf, this, right. this house on a hill, like mm-hmm. this, you know what, mm-hmm. this, this castle, like this golden thing and this untouchable, need, this untouchable institution thing. institution. And they just have to come to grips with the fact that if these allegations are true, you literally just ruined hundreds of student athletes lives to win you are no better than penn state was you're no better than any college that i mean you are we get so upset at michigan well they paid their players and we don't do that sort of thing at michigan yeah but if you let this go yeah holy fuck man i don't care i shouldn't be using language like that but I, i you literally destroyed people's lives that is totally different. That is night and day different than paying a player to come play for your school. That's a different level of cheating. It's it's unfathomable for me to. It's hard for me to describe in words. It's it's so incredibly disgusting. Yep. If it, it if it was known about and it if it was known about by Bo and supposedly. The one gentleman said that Bo was going to go to the athletic director. If the athletic director knew, it's the it's the entire football program that knew about this. And you're letting this guy hang around and do this to students is effing disgusting. And if I ever hear, I'm so frustrated, Hoffman. Like yeah. if I ever hear another Michigan fan say, "Oh, do it, be a Michigan man, do it the right way," or they they try and I just want to, I just want to choke it's, him i just want to grab him by the throat and be like don't tell me this crap because it's a lie you're right you're absolutely right and it's this is something that you know you and i grew up with this kind of this kind of lie that um the athletes or entertainers should be held on this kind of pedestal mm-hmm. you know and be role models if you will to be role models and they're untouchable and you know, they're they are the the subject of ultimate morality. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, and and I know there's there's imperfect human beings out there, and you know, Bo wasn't a, a perfect human being, I'm sure, but it's it's like unconscionable to think of something like this that he would let something like that go. But in a football program and with that much power, like in college towns, this is something like I, this is why I kind of admire Cowherd because he's talked about this before. In college towns, you have an ultimate power that is unseen or unheard of in the pros. When you're a, a, a celebrity coach in a college town, especially one like Michigan or Penn State, a blue chip program. Yeah, exactly. They they have a power that's unheard of because you've got this young kind of barely educated uh, base of people that are just that push you and go unknowingly because you are the the face of wisdom and you are the, the voice of reason. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. the you're the brand. You're the you know go get them rah rah you know team player brand and so. So we don't. Th- it, it's it's tough to think of guys like Bo Schembechler and Joe Pa in that light. Well, not Joe Pa, not so much anymore. But in his heyday, and I mean, even ten years ago, we the, he was an untouchable force. He was, know? and um, someone like Bobby Knight, we saw that with him too. Mm-hmm. So this untouchable force that just can't you. Uh, he's the face of that town you know and 
it's hard to build that kind of thing. Yeah, the only way to kind of uh, build um, a legacy like that in a college town is just longevity. Mm-hmm. And the only way to build longevity in a college town is to win. To win. To be there a, a long time and have winning seasons and to garner chips and to be the face of this, like, you're fighting for your kids and you're fighting for your, you know, you're mm-hmm. fighting for your student athletes and you're fighting for your team. Like, and you're passionate about it, and you're a rock star about it. You're Bobby Knight, you're Tom Izzo, you're... Mike Krzyzewski. You're Mike Krzyzewski, you're all these guys. And what we fail to recognize is that they're flawed, just like the rest of us. And, yeah, it's unconscionable to to think of Bo Schembechler in that kind of light. But I think as information comes out, yeah, we're... <laughs> I, I, I got to see more information. You're, you're, you're right. And like, yeah, again, I don't want to think, I don't want to um, curse and stuff, but I don't think too many kiddos are, are listening to our, our show. It's a bit of a mind fuck, right? Yeah, it, really it is. is. It, it really is. Cause you got, I, it just, it's hard for me to fathom, to put it together that you'll sit there and you'll preach to the, the news media, if you're Bo Schembechler, you're sitting there yeah. and you're telling everybody he's a Michigan man. We do it right away yeah. at Michigan. And you tell your student oh, athletes that. And go you blue tell everybody and, that yeah. in the media and they have this whole thing. And then you go to bed at night knowing you got some doctor that's, that's mm-hmm. doing these things to people. I just, <laughs> it's... It's tough to know that that's going on in your backyard. But it's, it's if it like, is happening, I, it's something it, I want snuffed out. It's you know? like the, it's like the priest at the Catholic Church. Like yeah. You are supposed to be the moral compass of the church, mm-hmm. and you are taking advantage of the most vulnerable in the church. Exactly. It is. It's, I, it's I don't called even like in your yeah. You're right. I mean, it's <laughs> that's what <laughs> something like in, in a. Um, and like an Ivy League and blue chip programs like this, it's almost parochial to to you know. Well, it's that's our pope. Yeah, you know that's that's your pope. You know, is, is that that head coach that because they're basically the they're the nationwide face. They're the the celebrity. Bobby Knight, Tom Izzo, Bo Schembechler, you know all all these guys, and we forget that. That they're human, they're flawed, just like the rest of us, and um, it's really, really, yeah, it's shitty to see that, it, and it's it's hard to digest, but it's something that's uh, that I'm glad that you're recognizing and looking at it, and it's it's beyond like fandom, like I said, yeah, it, it, it's it, beyond that. This is a, a a question of humanity, and and you know. We're at a point yeah. in time where if you still want to have the monikers, the leaders, and the best, you better burn this fucking program down and start over. Exactly. Because that's what somebody that is the best person would do. They'd burn the shit down. They'd do whatever they had to do to to uh, make amends the best you could with the victims because you can never make it right. Right, exactly. Uh, but you, you burn the shit down and you start over. Right. And, and go you know, from there. And again, I don't mean to be a language apologist, but you know what? When you're passionate about about a subject, which both Watucky and I are, and it's our show, and we've got no one to fucking answer to, right. this is this is something that we, you know, we're gonna say exactly what's on our mind, and and that's the way it should be. And leave it at that. Sorry. So, so do you want to go into a lighter segment, Hoffman? <laughs> I think I've, I think I've beaten this one down. I think people know how I feel. But we can't, you know, we can't hit it hard enough, you know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I encourage you to stick around because this is uh, this is Father's Day weekend. And uh, Wataki really went to, he's working when he wasn't supposed to be working. <laughs> he's, he's, uh, he's doing his job and he got us a hell of a guest. For our third segment, and yeah. Jason Wirtz put in a hell of oh an effort God. on this interview. Yes, our our pal Jason Wirtz showed up, and I owe owe him a, a debt of gratitude because he basically wrote this interview. Yeah, and um, the only thing I could take credit for would be asking some okay, having that beautiful questions. face in front of the camera. <laughs> yeah, but uh, 
Um, it was really cool. Like Jason, I talked to him last week. I conducted his wedding. We're good. We're good pals, like mm-hmm. uh, off the air and stuff. Um, he's a good dude, and uh, he told me point blank, he's like, I can't wait to come on your show again. I'd really, really like to be on your show more often. And his dad came up to me at his wedding and said and told me like what a big fan he was and how much he enjoys the show. So you know, I want to make it a point to to involve those kinds of people. Absolutely. And, you know, so I thought I was thinking about his father and I was thinking about Father's Day and I was thinking about Jason and um, it just made sense to bring Jason on the air and have us help have him help us with this interview with the the guests that we had. Uh, Man, I I felt really, really uh, blessed to be able to have Billy Martin Jr. on the show, which yeah. you booked and you were cool about conceding and letting us be on the show. Uh, I don't know why you did that. He was well, an unbelievable guest. Um, so Jason is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to baseball. He knows far more sure. than I do, and I felt like I'd be doing a disservice. You know what I mean? Like with Jason being able to be here and bringing yeah. that knowledge and that research, um, not just on his dad, but on, on Billy Martin Jr. himself. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. That's hard to dig up on somebody that's not as famous. It's hard to find information like that. And I just felt like I'd be doing the interview and the show a disservice by not allowing him to well, to kind did. of take the reins on that. And he did a wonderful job. You did your part. You did all the technical stuff. You yeah. did the entire production of this, and like you always do every week, but... You made sure that we got this interview, and you got it booked. You produced it. You recorded it. You got the video, everything. And I'm super proud of you. I'm super proud of Jason. And this this was just a great interview. So stick around for our, our third and final segment for the week um, on this fine Wednesday. Uh, check out Billy Martin Jr. Here he is. Your business could be advertising in this spot right now. Send us a message, smallmarketpodcast at gmail.com, and let us work with you to grow your business. Thanks for being with us today, Billy. We really appreciate it. Hey, question. Yeah. Y'all are looking at me. Should I lose the Babe Ruth picture behind my head? No, I was going to ask you, should we lose the Al Kaline poster behind our head? <laughs> um, no, it's got a kind of glare to it, but he played He played for Dad in uh, 72 Tigers. Yeah, I was hoping team. to ask you a question about that, if, if, if he had any um, recollect or if he talked about his years with the Tigers or anything. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I was there. I mean, it was a little guy. I, kind of funny, speaking of Father's Day, a friend of mine, Merle Harmon's grandson, sent me footage recently of a Tigers game. It was the game of the week, which was a big deal back in the 70s. Yeah. There was literally the only other game you could see other than your home team right. was the game of the week. And... I was interviewed on it. My my mother and I were interviewed, and I was, I think I was seven years old. So it's kind of funny. I I'd never seen it. Didn't even know it happened back then. So <laughs> feel free to share that story if you'd like. I mean, that'd be awesome. That's that's pretty cool. Have, no, yeah, it's it's. I mean, I I said it to my kids. They couldn't believe it. I mean, it was. Uh, I but I'd never seen it. You'd think back then that was such a big deal. You think I might have actually had someone say, Hey, saw you on that, but I don't know. I I cared more about playing wiffle ball. Probably. Probably. Yeah. So where are you guys at? Where are you located? We're located in uh, Midland, Michigan, home of Dow chemical. Um, yeah, kind of as a Michigander kind of right here, right here in the Great Lakes Bay region, every goofy Michigander does that. So, you know, if you were here for any amount of time, I'm sure you remember that stuff too. So, uh, I, <laughs> I, we weren't there long, but I still have friends. I still have some good friends from there, and, and actually, one of them moved here in the Texas area with me. But uh, so I get to see, I get to see and hang out with all my 
old Michigander friends. So. <laughs> well, that's good. Seems like we get a lot of guests from Texas. It's kind of nice, you know. Well, well, there's some kind of groovy Texas Michigan crossover. I mean, even musically, and you know, I get to meet great Ted Ted Nugent. Ted and my father hunted together in a celebrity quail hunt in Hawaii. Wow. And then I had him on a television show I produced right out of college. And he's obviously the Motor City Madman. But <laughs> there's a famous country musician who even in one of his songs says, I'm from Dallas, Texas. But he's not. He's from Michigan. And it's great David Allen Cole. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah for sure. He, uh, he was amazing. <laughs> well, let's get into talking about you a little bit, okay, Billy? Absolutely. All right. So, um, how did you how did you decide to become an agent, and how did that start? Uh, well, actually, that was my father's idea. Um, I don't know if it was my below average arm or my below average power as a player, but uh, I really think his foresight was that agents can be agents till they're 70 years old. And, and he also saw the way that salaries were starting to climb the ladder and thought it was a good idea. So uh, I took that to heart. Yeah. Now, do you only represent baseball players or, or what do you, everybody all across the gamut? No, baseball Baseball is really all I focused on. Uh, I, I represented an Olympic athlete at one time because her father was a baseball coach, and I helped her get some endorsements. Um, I helped a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader get some modeling gigs in New York. But uh, I, I even represented a, an NFL player who went to camp but didn't make the team but because – He'd heard that all the football agents were dishonest, and he heard he could at least trust me. So, that's pretty cool. How many clients you got right now? Uh, that fluctuates daily, but uh, <laughs> we pro agents we we try to keep it under fifty. Um, there were just two main agents, myself and my partner Dave Peppy. We just recently added Tom Kohler who was a former client of ours and is now an agent. He pitched six years in the major leagues and it's really been a cool infusion because he's got a new younger set of contacts. He's, um, he's former major league pitcher that can kind of be our pitching performance guy to talk to all our pitchers. And so it's, uh, it's been neat, but, when it was just Dave and I, we got up to like 80 clients at one time. And that's too many to do it. Like we like to do it. We like to give everybody time and not just the guys that are good. And it's hard to do with 80 guys to be there for them all and to give the kind of service we like to give. So that's probably what differentiates us from some of our larger competition. Very good. Uh, switching gears just a tad. Uh, you're named field manager and president of baseball operations for the Texas Air Hogs, which was a independent league team, and I think it was as 2017. Um, that was co-owned by Dallas Mavericks president and of basketball operations general manager Donnie Nelson. I was wondering how that relationship started um, and how you got that gig. Well, we were both in the. Sons of famous coaches. Club. Yeah, for sure. And uh, we actually met uh, through a mutual friend. He brought me into that. He made me do it. He's a lot bigger than I am. <laughs> and um, he actually was right. You know, he told me that I would learn so much more insight. I'd coached at the high school level, but literally was dumb enough to think that I could go in five o'clock, make up a lineup, you know, manage this team. And 
I didn't realize what a full-time job it is, how involved you get with every player's life, the trade, the things that are going on. I learned how much I didn't know about the game, and uh, it was a great experience, and uh, Donnie's, uh, Donnie's a friend for life. That's- Oh, oh, I'm sorry. That, that's awesome. I just wanted to follow up. Um, what kind of manager were you? Were you anything like your dad on the field or uh, complete opposite? Uh, or I don't know. I, you know, I don't know that everybody really even understands what kind of manager my father was. You know, they all talk about the yelling and screaming and kicking dirt. And, um, but what they don't really realize is what kind of psychologist he was. You know, I watched him one day. The trainer had just gone through the whole list of players that were hurt on the Yankees. And one of them was Ricky Henderson. And Ricky had a hamstring issue going on. And the trainer told my father, I don't think you should play it. He's saying he wants to play, but I don't think you should play him. He's His hamstring's bad. We have an off day tomorrow, so if you give him today off, he gets two days off. After they'd gone through the team, Dad walks into the training room, and I went with him, and he puts his hand on his back. He talks to him, rub, rub it on his back a little bit. Hey, pal, trainer says I need you to, I need to sit you tonight. So I'm thinking about doing that. Oh, no way, Skip, I'm your guy. Yes, you are my guy. You're, And I need you all year. And we got an off day tomorrow. So if I rest you today, you get two days off. No way, Skip, I'm your guy. Just, just let me cruise. Just let me cruise. Are you sure? I promise. I'll be okay. Just let me cruise. Meaning, don't get mad if I pop up to the pitcher and I don't run all the way to second base, you know. Ricky went in. He got on base three times. He stole three bases that game, I believe, and cruised their way to victory. <laughs> but the, the part for me that was so cool, and afterwards I said, Dad, I, I don't know that I'd ever seen you show that kind of love to a guy before. It was cool. And, and he said, pal, they're all different. And, and that's my job to figure out how to push their buttons. Some of them need love. Some of them need a kick in the ass. And some of them, I don't need to say a damn word to. And now I, I, you don't hear much about my father being a, uh, you know, a mental strategist like that with the guys. But I think even some of the guys that didn't love playing for him, if they looked back, They'd realize he did get the best out of him. Reggie Jackson hated playing for my father, he said, but look, they were some of the best years of his career. The guy in the poster behind you two. He says it wasn't fun playing for my father. Well, if you notice, that year was late in his career. My father rested him a lot that year. He didn't play him every day, and Al had never gone through that before. When they got to the postseason, who was in the lineup every day? Al Kaline. Had my father not rested him the way he did and babied him along the way, he might not have been there in the postseason when they needed it. Even you know, even though they didn't get to the World Series, that's all you could do. And and it's not easy doing that gig. And I guess to a long-term answer to your story is that that's probably the best thing I learned my one year coming in second to last managing. Absolutely. Now uh, we read that you, you went to Texas tech and you played both baseball and soccer. How good of a baseball player were you? Um, it's better soccer player. Uh, I depend. If my father was there to watch me play, I was outstanding. Um, the Yankees offered me a contract to sign because he, of course, had them do that. I, I declined that contract. I knew I didn't deserve it, but 
my father thought I was much better than I really was because every time he laid eyes on me, I had my best day. You know, he came in one game my senior year in high school. I was five for five that day. <laughs> came about that far from hitting what would have been my only high school home run. <laughs> I, I knew my coach wouldn't have the you-know-whats to yell at because my dad would have probably kicked his ass. So, um, <laughs> uh, But uh, I, I actually had an amazing fall for Texas Tech and looked like I was probably going to be the leadoff hitter, uh, maybe playing a couple positions, and hurt my shoulder, kind of lost my gig. Coach threw me right back in there when I came out, but I was a mess after sitting out for over a month. And uh, I think why I liked soccer so much is that I wasn't Billy Martin Jr. when I played soccer because those guys didn't care about baseball or any of that stuff. And I could let my hair grow long and put in my earring and just be another soccer dude and not have to worry about that stuff. That's cool. Um, Billy, I saw in, in an interview you did that you kind of had a pretty interesting take on the Astros sign-stealing thing. Uh, can you share your thoughts on that a little bit? Or a lot, if you want? Absolutely. Cool. Everybody cheats. Everybody cheats and has cheated in this game since its inception. I hate to break it to you, but the Detroit Tigers have cheated before. Um, <laughs> never, never. Jason if, won't believe that. <laughs> Jason's a purist. They're not trying hard enough. <laughs> yeah. Okay? That's our problem then. Okay. Yep. Got it. My, my father literally had a, a quote that's on my, my son's wall in their room. It said, cheating's as big a part of baseball as hot dogs and Cracker Jacks. Um, Let's go back in history. Bill Mazeroski shot her around the world. 1961, I believe, the home run to beat the Yankees in the World Series. The guys in the bullpen had a telescope. <laughs> they, had, they had equipment piled all over it so you couldn't see it. So one guy was looking through it while another guy would stand up and wave a towel. And he would wave a towel like he was stretching, and that would tell people what pitch was coming. That's been going on forever. One of the greatest plays in World Series history, Willie Mays, the catch, where he makes the over-the-shoulder catch running yep. towards center field. In 54, right? If you see that from a different camera angle, it shows there at the polo grounds that – their left field was almost like the green monster, but there were offices midway up there. So there's this glass wall. Well, up against one of the pieces of glass, you see a, a man so close to the glass. He's like this far from it. You can see his shoes and his knees, his whole body up against the glass. He's got binoculars in his eyes. Well, rumor is he was stealing signs. But these rumors have been going on forever. Wrigley Field, when Buck Showalter designed the, the Diamondbacks ballpark, the camera wells were put where they could, you know, look right into the other dugout. Um, it's part of the game. It, it, can be, it can be fixed. All we have to do is get rid of electronics. Right. We don't need phones in the dugout. We don't need iPads or laptops in the dugout. When Abner Doubleday invented the game, none of that stuff was on his list. So get rid of that. That'll take care of it. That was our interview with Billy Martin Jr. It was amazing. I know this show got a little bit heavy in the middle, <laughs> but uh, um, man, Wataki and I wanted to make sure that we like, we came back uh, with a vengeance after that yeah. two-week break. It was our first break ever in the history of our show. Yeah, like a year and a half yeah. almost. With well, Yeah, about a year and a half. I mean. Would we do 70 shows straight without a break? Something like that. Yeah. Close to. I think number. 
Yeah, this will be number 70, I think. I could be wrong. Yeah, so I think we we'll did see. 69 straight shows, and um, man, took a break, and it wasn't like we needed it. It was just we were both out of town. We had, for, yeah, we were both out know. with other obligations out of town, so it was like, there's no way to really make this work, so instead of producing something really crappy, right. we'll just... Say we're out of town on a break and vacation or whatever. Yeah, and putting out a half-assed thing. So it was, not, but it was cool because like I felt the itch. You know, the last two weeks, I'm like, oh man, what are we gonna? I can cannot wait to get back on the program and talk about talk sports about. again. Yeah, and I think you felt the same way because you booked guests while you were on <laughs> vacation. So, anyways, we are happy to be back. We're gonna keep on going and probably keep going for another 69 shows. Right? Hell yeah, man. Yeah, seems to be a good number. Thanks again for tuning in to the Small Market Podcast, coming to you from Sportsball Studios in Midland, Michigan. We'll see you next week, folks. Mm, that's Sportsball. Mm, sportsball. Sportsball in your prison hole. You've been listening to the Small Market Podcast. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, send us a message at smallmarketpodcast at gmail.com, or get more behind-the-scenes writings from Hoffman at smallmarketpodcast-blogspot.com. Music for the Small Market Podcast has been provided by the 8-Arm Killer.